0: This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 79, recorded on September 11th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we've got a long winning streak to discuss. We've got Bradley Zimmer injuring himself on a slide to first base. We'll talk about Jason Kipnis being in center field, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening live now on Facebook, or whenever, or whenever, or wherever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And consider leaving a review, comment, anything like that. It all helps us get discovered, improve, all kinds of things. So, of course, joining me for all this and more, as always, is Mr. Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't even know how to answer that. It's, it's, it's been three weeks <laughs> since, we, since we recorded a podcast for various reasons. Uh, and I think the Indians lost, like, maybe their first game after the most recent one uh I, this is bonkers 19 games I mean 10 games is pretty crazy 14 games last year was way crazy 19 I it's, I'm doing well
0: <laughs> that's that's one way to put that's pretty much the only way to put it right now and we were joking when we were scheduling this it was like if, if we schedule this and they lose it's on us right <laughs> and they didn't lose so at least right now
1: well I am worried that we're recording now and so that now we're jinxing it. We hadn't recorded yet before the game tonight. So, uh, so the curse know, doesn't start until like we hit the live it button. It's a pretty big lawsuit, I think, but <laughs> I guess we've got to take our chances.
0: <laughs> so, let's talk about that streak, Jason. Holy cow. It's 19 wins now. Um, if you're listening live now, it just happened. The Indians blew out another opponent. I saw their run differential over the streak is now 100 game or 100 runs, which it's just insane. It's there, they've done the equivalent of. 19 and 0 was a super bowl in football, I think, right? Yeah, cuz the Patriots are 18 and 1, so yeah, the Indians have won a super bowl. <laughs> they had a perfect season and now they can just hopefully keep rolling into October and beyond.
1: I think I I don't remember the number and it would need to be updated, but I the Indians have won 19 of their last 19 games and I think the Browns have won 19 of their last like 80 games.
0: Yeah, it's there was it's like they have the Browns haven't won this many games in a lot of years basically which i'm okay with every time the the indians win a game comparing them to how bad the browns have been i am perfectly fine with that <laughs> so any other general thoughts on the streak i mean other than the fact that everybody's been amazing it's it's weird to talk about it now because like if, if it's just the normal stretch of games you can find some things that are good some things that are bad but like everybody's been amazing and everything and it's really hard to find one thing that's interesting besides all these like big overarching stats about just how amazing the Indians have been, how they've led in everything. And I don't know. Yeah. It's been great it's, to watch. I
1: mean, like, It's hard to keep track of all the sort of crazy bits of information. Uh, some of the ones I'm aware of and, and can think of at the moment, uh, like you already said, their run differential is plus 100 during the streak. Uh, I looked at every... Winning streak of fifteen or more games, uh, going back to nineteen thirteen, because that's as far back as Baseball Reference has uh, play index information available for this sort of thing. So going back to nineteen thirteen, there have been twenty winning streaks of fifteen plus games. Uh, the Indians are, are winning by an average of more than five runs, and none of the other teams in the streak had a run differential like that. So they're they're not only winning games; they're just destroying the other team. Um, They've got the lowest ERA of any team in a long winning streak like that. They've got the highest OPS of any team in a winning streak like that. Um, they've allowed 32 runs in 19 games. And that's in a year when offense is, is, is pretty far up. Uh, so that's like a run and a half a game they're giving up. Uh, so, I mean, winning is winning on some level, but they're just annihilating teams. Uh, so there's that. Uh, what else? I guess
0: well, there was so.
1: Like I'm trying to keep track of it all, but like you said, everything, every aspect of the team is playing well. Uh, you know, you don't have a run differential like that with without with so many guys contributing. My beloved Carlos Santana's OPS is like eleven forty during the winning streak. Uh, Lindor, Ramirez, there's so many guys hitting well. Uh, you know, Trevor Bowers won I think four of the games. Kluber's ERA is below two on it. The bullpen's collective ERA is like one point six. Uh, they've had six shutouts during the winning streak, which is more than nine teams have had all season long. Uh, it just goes on and on. And there's just like one crazy fun thing after another.
0: <laughs> and Nate Crow in the comments, he mentioned that the one thing we're missing now is a Yandy Diaz home run. He's, <laughs> he's been really good since he came up, but he still hasn't hit a home run. But, um, and yeah, and Carlos Santana, if you didn't see, um, Fangraphs had a post that he's like the most consistent hitter in the second half. So he's getting love elsewhere now. Finally, I think Indians. I think the the whole meme of everybody hating him is starting to maybe finally go away a little bit because he's been so good over this year. Um, of course, it's right before he leaves. But and another one in the comments: Mario Vara, twelve to six to get us to hundred wins. Do you think that can happen, Jason? Do
1: you? Uh, I don't.
0: I didn't even think of that as a possibility like yeah, a couple months ago. He, but they're really close. They're
1: Nineteen in a row. So twelve and six <laughs> doesn't sound outlandish.
0: it yeah, almost sounds uh, bad right uh, now.
1: <laughs> I guess. I would still bet against it because 12-6 and six is still a better winning percentage than they have for the full season. Mm. Um, but I think they're on pace for 99, so certainly 100 could happen. Uh, yeah, I, mean, that's, I mean, obviously when you win 19 games, you're going to change the standings a lot. But I think when the streak started, they had like a three-game lead in the division, uh, and it was still a race. And now it's a 13-and-a-half game lead, and their magic number is five, six maybe. It was seven Uh, before the game today. 12 games behind Houston um, or 10 games behind Houston. And now they're in front of Houston and have the best record in the American league. Uh, The Dodgers, who I think have won one game while the Indians have been on this streak, uh, you know, still have the best record in baseball. But again, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think the Indians are like four wins behind the Dodgers is all not like it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I guess any time of the season it would be crazy. If it was the beginning of the year, it would help you build a huge lead right out of the gates. But I feel like this late in the season, to me anyway, there's something cooler about it because it feels like so much of the season has happened, and and then you get something like this. Uh, Regular season baseball tends not to be super memorable because there's so many games and so many seasons if you've been a fan for a long time. Um, there's a few individual games that stand out, beating the Yankees 22 to nothing, the crazy comeback against the Mariners, and of course there's like player seasons that stand out, but there's not a lot of just like stretches of regular season baseball that you remember. But I think Indians fans are going to remember this streak for as long as they remember anything about the Indians. It's it, I'm not saying it's better than winning the World Series. Uh, But someone wins the World Series every year, and someone doesn't win 19 games in a row even every decade, even every quarter century.
0: And speaking of which, I know this is a surprise to people, but Jason Lucar, you have a bone to pick with um, (laughs) some kind of stat thing ESPN did about mentioning uh, the winning streak in context.
1: To their credit or to their fault, depending on how you felt about it. I had a graphic (laughs) up all game last night about Indian 17-game winning streak in case anyone tuning in hadn't seen it already. Um, But they also kept talking about the longest winning streak ever being 26 games by the 1916 New York Giants. Um, But I got to call shenanigans because the Giants won 12 games in a row and then had a tie – and then won the next 14 games. But a tie is not a win. And the ties weren't counted in the end of the season standings and all of that. Like, they didn't lose a game. But, I don't know, they played a game that ended without them winning. To me, that snaps a winning streak, uh, which would mean 21 by the 1935 Cubs is the all-time winning streak as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and 20 by the Moneyball Oakland days of 2002 would be the American League record whether you care about ties or not but yeah I don't know I I guess if you said it was the longest unbeaten streak I would say the Giants but they played a game that ended without them winning I say that's not a winning streak
0: so it's also worth noting that the Indians they can complete the second sweep of the Tigers in this streak um, and also clinch the longest winning streak in the AL on the same day on what is it Thursday so this could be a really good week um, after today, I didn't like the Tigers before. I really don't like them after today. Although, who knows if pitching inside to Jose Ramirez was on purpose or not. But they also ding Carlos Santana, which, again, that was probably an accident. But I still don't like it because I don't like Ian Kinsler. But just watching the Indians, if they can sweep the Tigers again and also on the same day clinch something that historic on in progressive field, that's that's really awesome. I'm okay with doing it anywhere, but I'm also especially okay against doing it against the Tigers at home. That's just a nice little extra icing on the cake I think anytime you can beat the Tigers and they have beat like in this streak um, they beat the Royals was part of the sweep they swept the Tigers twice, they swept the White Sox so it was a lot of their own division which is bad but you also have to remember they they went on the streak earlier this season uh, where they won nine in a row which almost seems like nothing now but then it was also the time when the Royals won a bunch in a row so that did basically nothing and like you said before they were only what was it three games up on the division and now they're a ton up because the Royals are the Royals and they're not very good and then now the Indians have the best record in the AL, which is amazing in itself, considering where they were. I think it was the end of June where they looked really ugly. Um, we were both kind of saying they look, they just suck right now, and they don't suck anymore. And they are, well, I think it was... It the coming, last time
1: uh, we talked, which was, I believe, it would have been a Monday. So looking at the schedule, it would have been Monday, the 20, August 21st. Uh, and I remember saying that night, we were talking, I don't remember what the context was, but I remember saying, like... Something didn't matter because they were going to win the division either way. They weren't going to catch the Astros no matter what. And, well, (laughs) when you're right, you're right. They weren't going to catch the Astros no matter what. So
0: (laughs) I'd also like to point out.
1: They're way ahead of Boston. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't say they're quite a lock to finish ahead of Boston, but they're five games and, you know, less than three weeks left in the season. Uh they're in pretty good shape to have home field for at least their first series. And they've got the tiebreaker with Houston. So having a better record than them is, you know, like the tiebreaker an extra game there.
0: Yeah, That's about it's- as close as you can get to a lock, I think, being five games over right now. As good as the Indians are playing. And I'd also like to point out that you're, um, if we're watching other dogs in the race here, you had the, the Royals finishing second, or you had the Tigers finishing second. You laughed at my Minnesota Twins pick. <laughs> I think we discussed this last podcast. But now it's getting closer where I'm going to be right on this one. I feel like that definitely. was my long-shot prediction for something.
1: Definitely not going to be right on this one. I mean, the Tigers <laughs> went into seller mode and have gone into – might as well play for draft pick mode uh, and are going to finish possibly more than 30 games behind the Indians and possibly more than 15 games behind whoever does finish in second. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take the loss <laughs> on that one.
0: And I think the way we're looking at the division right now, which is Cleveland, Minnesota – a small drop to Kansas city and then off a cliff to Detroit and the White Sox are probably we're going to see for at least a few years. I think the twins are going to be maybe not good enough to like get into the playoffs or win anything in the playoffs, but they're going to be annoying for a few years. They're going to be like what the Indians were when the tigers were really good. So like just annoying enough and they win a few games and then, but still the Indians will hopefully just stomp the twins in the future. Cause I don't
1: think I think, I think the Indians will be significant favorites in the division next year. Uh, They'll potent, I mean, they'll start losing players this offseason, probably, probably Santana. Um, they'll start to lose more and more players, presumably. Uh, I could see 2019, the Twins, potentially being projected to be pretty close to them, but I think that's dependent on the Twins getting some pitching. The Twins have a good lineup right now. I think they have, you know, a better lineup than anyone but the Indians in the division and, you know, with... Young guys could get better. I think there's, you know, an argument that by next season, the Twins might have the best lineup in the division. But their pitching is pretty crummy. And I don't think, you know, there's a pretty significant difference. I think that – here, I can look it up right now. The Twins have given up 200 more runs than the Indians. So I don't think they're going to be favorites for the divisions or even to seriously threaten unless they find a way to develop or acquire some pitching. And yeah. then I think 2019 – 2020 is when the White Sox crazy farm system could start pushing them up in a hurry. But the Royals and Tigers look like they're in for some lean years.
0: Yeah, I think calling their pitching pretty crummy is maybe selling them a little too high there, Jason. It's a little worse than pretty crummy. But their offense is sneakily good enough. So yeah, back to the exactly. In- yeah, Back to the Indians anyway. Uh, Bradley Zimmer in the game yesterday. Very sad stuff. He slid in the first base against the Orioles. Broke his hand. I was kind of worried when he was injured if he saw it. Um, it looked like he had a concussion because the way he hit the ground. But I guess his... I don't know if he got stepped on, I think, his finger did. But either way, he broke his finger. Uh, his left hand. And then at Deadpool1205, he wanted to know on Twitter, is there ever a time to slide in the first? Well, the way Bradley Zimmer was sliding, I, I guess it's been kind of agreed upon that it wasn't a terrible idea to slide because he wasn't sliding as like people try to get more speed out of it. He was actively trying to avoid a tag. And it just so happened that he got stepped on when he did it. So I guess it wasn't the worst slide in the world. It's the worst slide in the world because he got injured. Um but I don't know. I guess it wasn't terrible. But Bradley Zimmer is out at least. Well not at least. He is out for the rest of the season. He won't be in the postseason. Um, do you think that's a huge loss? How do you think Bradley Zimmer feels about what he just did? <laughs> he was told to hustle. He was hustling.
1: Uh, I'm sure he's disappointed. Uh it was a terrible slide. I don't mean in terms of, like, the decision to slide. I mean, like, physically. The execution was was awful. Like, it was like he smashed into... It was like... I hear what you're saying, and I agree. It's not a... You don't get to the base faster. So if you're sliding, it should be because you're trying to get low and avoid being tagged, which is what he was doing. He wasn't really close to avoiding the tag, and then it was just a terrible slide. And I don't say that to... Not that he's listening, but to pile on him. But like,
0: you don't know. He, he could be.
1: You've got to be able to, to pull it off better than that. <laughs> um, in terms of the loss, I don't know. I mean, he's been kind of a mixed bag lately. His, his defense plays well, but it feels sort of like it did with Naquin at this point last year where pitchers have started to make some adjustments or figure out ways to, to get him out that they weren't getting him out early in the year. You know, his defense still provides value. He would have been on the postseason roster. I think he would have played a pretty fair amount. Um, But he's not like a top five or six contributor from the lineup. So I don't, you know, it's every loss is a loss, but I don't think it's a super significant one. And have you seen? I I saw that he's going to have surgery, and the regular season is definitely done, and the postseason was. Did you see someone say like definitively he's definitely there's no way he could be back for the postseason?
0: Well, I saw there was no timetable for return, but can you come back from broken bone surgery in like a month?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like finger stuff I don't know. I, I feel like there are there are situations where guys are back like four weeks later which would put him back for like the alcs maybe if the indians are there and, and and things were going well that's not to say i think he'll be back in four weeks just that i do think his situation has guys who who are back in four weeks whether he'll be one of them or not
0: yeah i guess i guess when i think broken bone it's like you're done <laughs> i don't imagine coming back soon and he, he might could be, be wrong you what
1: and you well, and, and he might be oh well, and the other thing oh, is yeah. he- He's ready to start playing baseball in four weeks. I don't know if you want a guy who hasn't played baseball for a month jumping back onto the roster for the ALCS when he's not. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you're talking about Lindor, Ramirez, Santana, Kluber, Miller, those kind of guys. But I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. He's probably done for this season. I just haven't seen anyone definitively like announce that, so I wasn't sure if you had seen something I had missed.
0: Nope, I haven't seen anything. But they also, I mean, they have enough outfielders to- – to at least cover a body there, even if it isn't great. And and they do have Greg Allen, who is, by all accounts, a great outfielder. I mean, I think I've seen some that said he's even better, has more range than Zimmer on the outfield, which seems crazy considering what he's done. And Greg Allen is equally as fast on the basis. So if he can at least have, like, the bat that Zimmer had, which, as you were saying, it wasn't great at the end, he's a pretty even replacement for Bradley Zimmer. I think he just doesn't have the experience. I think people forget Greg Allen is 24 years old, so he's not, like, Francisco Mejia, who's 21, or Lindor, who was, I think, 21 when he came up. So, I mean, yeah, he's a rookie and he dumped from Jebel A, but Greg Allen, I think, could contribute a lot, um, at least as much as a rookie who came up in September can in the playoffs for the Indians. And the other thing we can talk about, of course, is that Jason Kipnis today, um, it was announced that he's going to get a shot in center field probably. Terry Francona said, quote, we have a good thing going in the infield. Um, that That's really interesting, I think. it's. I'm kind of glad he did that. <laughs> Because if we were going to talk about Jason Kipnis being out, my whole thing was going to be that, oh, it's that's great. He's going to go to second base. They're not just going to replace him because Giovanni shell and Yanni Diaz had a couple good weeks. So thank you, Terry Francona, for doing that right before the podcast instead of doing it right after and making me look really dumb. Um, <laughs> I was fully prepared to say that Kipnis was going to get his job back just kind of by default. I didn't think they'd... I didn't think what has happened over the last month was enough to sway Terry Francona, but he must be really impressed with shell and Diaz at third base and also Ramirez at second and... Just the idea of Kittness going to center field is interesting. He played in college, and I don't know how well it's going to translate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all, I'm, I guess, I'm all for taking a look at him out there. And I know he played the outfield in college, but that was like eight years ago he was drafted, so it's been a while. And center field, especially, that's a pretty big jump. Uh, you know, given that Carlos Santana has his, his Played some innings in, you know, a corner spot, not center field, though. But, you know, again, I I think it's worth taking a look. Um, I guess I'm a little dubious of it looking like it's actually a good idea in a game that is important. But I don't see much harm in taking a look. Uh, You know, Diaz has played well. Uh, Rochelle's defense is great. As much as I want him to hit, Rochelle's not hitting. I don't – Urshela's bat does not profile as someone that I want in the starting lineup for the postseason. Um, so I think my hope or you know, would just be that the infield goes back to what it was before Kipnis got hurt. Uh, but, you know, that's dependent on him being back and ready to go, which it seems like he will be. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts. So it would be interesting to see. I, I, hope, I hope they don't screw around with him out there during the winning streak, though. I mean, I don't want to mess that up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. So so I'm not crazy in saying that it was pretty logical to think he would have got second base back and that might be the best thing if he can hit well then. Is what you're saying. I'm not insane. I
1: feel like that's (laughs) still the most likely outcome, but with you know, two and a half weeks left in the season and the division wrapped up, you've got at least a little wiggle room to check some things out. I also I didn't see is the plan to have him play center field for the Indians or to have him play center field while he's rehabbing.
0: Well, there's not going to really be anywhere for him to rehab. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's
1: an excellent point.
0: He's going to be by himself down in Columbus. The lights are all going to be off. He'll, he'll just be waiting there to catch those fly balls. But no, That's yeah, it's
1: center field these days. <laughs> yeah, He's not going to center... get reps anywhere else. It's a center field of the mind.
0: <laughs> I did see that where, I don't know where he, I, he is right now, but he was shagging fly balls in center field. I don't think he was in a game or anything, but, Somewhere he's doing, it. he's at least working it out. And if he comes back, I'd assume he's getting some time out there. And uh, Brian Young on Facebook, he asks On a scale of one to Tyler Naquin in game six, how concerned should we be with the idea of Kipnis in center field? Is it, I mean, this wouldn't be the first time the Indians have put out a not great center fielder. Um, I think obviously Tyler Naquin is probably better than somebody who hasn't played since college, but. The Indians have sort of proved they can go pretty far with a with a below average fielding center fielder and I think Jason Kitness's bat would be better than Tyler Naquin's was in the playoffs last year so I mean if he has to start and then replace Greg Allen late in games I don't think it's a terrible trade-off to have to get his bat in the lineup. I wonder do you think am I imagining that the Indians are doing it a lot more often than most teams probably have in the past of just taking an outfielder and throwing or taking an infielder and throwing him in the outfield. Do they maybe have like some kind of inkling that it doesn't even really matter. You just throw somebody out there. They can probably do it well enough. They're going to get so few balls hit to them that it's it's worth it to get their bat in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is part of it, The like, just how few balls are going to be hit towards them. But it does just sort of feel like at some point Francona was like, whatever, I'm just going to put guys wherever. I'm going to bring <laughs> Andrew Miller in the fifth inning. I'm going to play Carlos Santana in the outfield. I'm going to move this guy here. I'm going to move that guy there. I think Francona just feels like he can do what he wants and it's all going to work out.
0: In uh, going back a, to another conversation, James E Powell in the comments, he was saying about uh, Bradley Zimmer's finger, no timetable because he hasn't had surgery. Normal for this is six to eight weeks, so that's pretty much that's yeah, most that, of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what was the other thing. Oh yeah, so at Wally or Wahoo, Polly C. He wants to know, does the tribe try and keep out in center essentially tell you that they don't expect Brantley back? Do you remember that guy? Uh, Michael Brantley, he used to be on the Indians. He played once. <laughs> he was back for most of the season. He was really good, and he was injured, and now I have frequently forgotten that he was on the team.
1: <laughs> I haven't forgotten that he was on the team, but I've stopped. I don't expect him back. To me, if Brantley's back and good again, it would be a wonderful bonus. And in addition to helping the team, it would make me really happy for him because he's you know been with the Indians for a long time. Uh... And it sucks that these last two years, the Indians have been so good. He was such a key part of them in the years where they were sort of getting there. And then he's had to miss so much of these last two years. I feel bad for him. Uh, But I've stopped expecting him to be back at this point.
0: Yeah, and it's just been random freak things. One was the dive, and I think this was just, it was completely unrelated, just random injuries that he had. Do you think the Indians are going to pick up? uh, I'm trying to look it up now as I'm talking his option for next year. It's not that, it's like 11 million, I think. Was yeah, eleven million with one dollar million buyout. Do you think if he doesn't come back, I have to imagine they pick up like if you can get at least pretty good Brantley for a season, that's that's worth eleven million, right? Or do you think they just kind of drop that because he's been so injured so often recently?
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like it's one of those, and I can't remember what like the different calendar for things is. I feel like you make the qualifying offer to Santana, and you know if he accepts it. I'm happy to have Santana back but suddenly the budget is probably pretty tight and you know an extra 10 million above the buyouts and a huge amount of money but it's it's not a rounding error either especially not for a team like the Indians Uh, but you know on the other hand if Santana walks then you've got sort of more money to work with so I don't know maybe one of them's back but not the other uh that's a good question because
0: Yeah, I think they are kind of they're almost tied to each other. If if uh, if Brantley can't come back, and they don't think he will, then Santana, I would think one or the other is probably going to come back because because you can. There's still plenty of room for Santana at first base, DH. Nobody's really there to replace him right away. A lot of people thought that Brantley could go there eventually with all the injuries, but if you can have Santana instead, just I'd rather have him. I'd rather have his bat than Brantley's at this point. I think, and Santana is way healthier, so I almost like the idea of if you can get Santana letting Brantley go, but if you can't get Santana first, you're going to have to make a pretty big gamble that you can get him after you cut Michael Brantley. Because if you come away with neither of those, you're going to have to find somebody else to replace a bat, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Somewhere. I mean, yeah. And even if you figure Incarnacion can be the primary first baseman, and so DH is the opening, and you've got more options, (laughs) you still need someone for it. Uh, And the Indians, you know, it's not like you know, Bradley's not ready to come up with him yet. There's not an internal option that comes anywhere close to replacing Carlos Santana's bat. So if they lose him, then I think, yeah, you pick up Brantley's option and just cross your fingers and hope things are better.
0: Well, I mean, it's not even just Santana's bat as we saw this year. He's, I mean, waiting for next year had the post and Matt Schlichting had his own, that he might be a gold glove caliber first baseman all of a sudden. And we saw that Edwin is a very bad first baseman. So, I mean, he's pretty much just a DH at this point, unless you, unless the Indians really don't care about first base de- defense, which is possible, but Santana's made himself into a pretty valuable first baseman, which kind of hurts the chances of the Indians getting him back a little bit, I think, because he's going to be expensive, but I don't know. I don't like the idea of Edwin being the all-time first base and then grabbing anybody for DH. I'd rather find some first baseman and letting Edwin be the DH. I'd rather have Santana at first base and have Edwin at DH, but... It's interesting, but, but to get back to the original question of is Kip being out in center essentially today, they don't expect Brantley back. I think maybe a little bit. If you, if you were sure that Brantley was coming back, you have a pretty crowded outfield throwing Jason Kipnis out there because you have Bruce, Chisholm Hall, Allen, and then you have Brantley who's, who would be in left field pretty much every outing. So there wouldn't be room for everybody, but if he's not coming back, Jason Kipnis can go into center pretty often. And then you can have other people play in the corners with left and right pretty much open because Chisholm Hall's platooning, so. Yeah, I think a little bit. It's not. It doesn't guarantee Brantley's not coming back, but it might be a sign that he's not looking great to come back for the playoffs.
1: Yep, that's what I'd say too. And it's just. I mean, for the it's it's odd for a team that has the best record in its league, and the best run differential in baseball to have so many seemingly sort of like up in the air things. Uh, I mean, the Indians even when everyone's healthy. Indians have what, like four guys who, I guess five if, if you consider Kipnis. They've got four or five guys who they would like to have in the starting lineup like six times a week. Every other position, they're really ideally, you know, sort of platooning guys and or, you know rotating guys a little bit, uh, which is odd. They, the offense has been great, but then if you go and look at like the the season totals, uh, you know, outside of the four guys I'm talking about Lindor Ramirez Santana and Encarnacion it's a bunch of guys with like partial playing time and some of that's injury related but some of it's just sort of by design and so yeah I don't think they're they've ruled Brantley out but I think they're not expecting him back either or counting on him being back and so it's just sort of like well if we get like six guys who can maybe play the infield and six guys who can maybe play the outfield then one way or another we'll we'll have enough healthy guys come postseason time to have everything covered
0: so i don't think we have to go too far into it here but we can sort of it's a topic worth discussing is jose ramirez mvp candidate um (laughs) he went through a couple slumps this season but he was really hot at one point and he's really hot now so i mean do you think is there any chance he beats out jose altuve it's pretty much between um jose well i mean both jose's altuve and ramirez and then Aaron Judge is kind of there by default because he's coasting from his first half. Mike Trout is still there in the conversation just because he's Mike Trout and he's still great after missing so much time. But it looks like at this point it's between Jose Altuve and Jose Ramirez. Do you think Ramirez can actually chase him down and win the award?
1: No. Uh,
0: Hater. <laughs> Clearly.
1: <I> maybe <mean, laughs> Ramirez has been great, but there's no objective way to look at his season and Altuve without even getting into Mike Trout's case, which I think is pretty strong. uh, And, you know, ignoring Aaron Judge even for a while, who despite a pretty terrible second half still has really good overall numbers. And just doing Altuve and Ramirez, there's just no objective way to look at their numbers and say that Ramirez should be ahead of him. Um, Which is not, I mean, that's like, that's not crapping on Ramirez. He's been fantastic. So I think, like, when we talk about MVP candidates, there's the... An MVP candidate is someone who has a viable argument at winning, and there's the... An MVP candidate is someone who is going to finish in the top five of the MVP voting. I don't think Ramirez has a viable argument or case or chance of winning. Uh, I do think he has a viable chance of ending in the top five of the voting. But the other thing is we're also only talking Mm. about hitters, and if you're... A voter who's open to any player, you could argue that Corey Kluber should be ahead of Jose Ramirez in the MVP ballot, and you know Chris Sale, too. So there's a lot of ways you can go. I just can't see how Jose Ramirez gets any first-place votes, really, much less enough to actually win the thing.
0: I think the only way he gets any first-place votes is if you very liberally apply the phrase valuable, because there's always this debate every year if because Jose's this good he's played multiple positions for so long uh, during the season that maybe somebody thinks that he is more valuable to his team than Jose Altuve which probably isn't true as much as I love Ramirez it's, it's just probably not the case his, his offense is pretty much worse across the board which still isn't saying a lot he still I mean he's still amazing but Jose Altuve has just been another level this year and if somebody thinks that playing multiple positions makes him that much more valuable which in some ways it has. It's opened up a lot of things that the Indians can do that they wouldn't have been able to do if Jose Ramirez was strictly a third baseman if he was like a terrible second baseman and the Indians would be stuck with like Eric Gonzalez. But you have to jump through a lot of hoops to make Jose Ramirez your most valuable player, I think. And it's just... And yeah. again,
1: an that's not a slight on Jose Ramirez. He's right. El- having an incredible season. Um, I don't think Mike Trout has a chance at winning it. unless I mean, if the Angels make the postseason, maybe... But I just think it's just so hard to even factor into the fact that he's even talked about having missed 40 games or however many because of this injury uh, is just like another bonkers way of signaling how incredible Mike Trout is. Um, I don't. I think too many voters. There's just no way for them to overlook him missing so much of the season. But I mean, Mike Trout's the best baseball player of this generation. Jose Altuve is having an incredible season. Uh, if Jose Ramirez were to finish third, fourth, fifth this season with some of the years other guys are having, that would be nothing to scoff at. And I, I there's no – there's no one, <laughs> no one who five years ago would have said Jose Ramirez is going to be top five in the MVP voting someday. There's just – there's not a person on the planet who said that. There are people who – I will confess to having been completely off caught off guard by how good he's been. And I will also acknowledge there were other people who expected him to be a good player. Maybe a few people who expected him to be an all-star player. There's no one on the earth who thought he'd be top five in the MVP voting. So if he does that, he's exceeded the wildest expectations that anyone had of him.
0: And it's still weird looking back at his minor league numbers. Like we should have saw this coming. (laughs) I mean, there were people that did obviously, but so many missed it, but when you look at his numbers, like in the minors, he hit at every level so well. I mean, I don't know how that got through so many people, but it did. And now he's a surprise, and the Indians are able to sign him cheap, and he is ours for a long time now.
1: Yeah, no, that deal is incredible. Yeah.
0: So our last question here, it's, uh, it's very important. I think it's something that, that's going it's, it's come up a lot the closer they get to the Oakland A's um, win streak because the Oakland of course, have the Moneyball movie made after him, and Billy Bean is played by Brad Pitt. So let's run down a couple here. So first, at SSS Josh Nelson, he wants to know, when the Indians win 21 in a row, will the world get Major League 3 or Moneyball 2? Oh, and which position player will Chris Pratt play? <laughs> I think it, it'd have to be another Moneyball-type movie. I don't think it'd be Major League 3, because Major League, we've talked about it before, that movie was possible because the Indians were such a joke that you could joke about them being bad and you wouldn't offend any indians fans because they all realize it like you could make a browns movie like that right now but you couldn't make pretty much any movie about a baseball team i right know no, nobody's that bad so like another moneyball type movie sure why not i don't know and chris pratt i was whenever i watch rewatch moneyball is always a surprise he is in that movie i don't remember who he plays but but yeah the H- Indians. he plays scott hatterberg Yep. who would he be on the indians jason kipnis
1: yeah, I guess, but really Chris Pratt isn't the appropriate who would Chris Platt, Pratt play because the funny thing about Chris Pratt playing Scott Hatterberg is that to the extent that Chris Pratt was anyone at the time, he was the goofy minor character on Parks and Rec, a TV show that not that many people were watching. So the question is what minor character on what TV show that not very many people are watching is going to be in the Indians version of Moneyball? and then turn into a like a megastar like 6 years later when he plays a superhero. And I cannot begin to Darn. figure out how to answer that question. I was really hoping you had something planned when you were you leading say up to that. Chris Pratt will play Jason Kipnis because that <laughs> simplifies the discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean that's that's like the only real answer there. He's cuz Jason is like the goofball. I can't think of any other who would play so I saw somebody tweeted asking about Jose Ramirez. Somebody said like Kevin Hart cuz he's small and loud. But I don't know. I was gonna say the Rock, just go all out and make it opposite and make him huge, and <laughs> who cares in like twenty years when they make the movie, nobody's gonna know the difference, because because Jose's
1: great and he's. he's I expect you to life. say it's rock, Chris, Chris Rock. The Rock <laughs> was gonna play Yandy Diaz, even oh, though that's yeah. yes. muscle-wise, is Yandy.
0: Well, the problem is that the Rock is too jacked all over Yandy Diaz. It's all the biceps. You'd have to find somebody. I can't think of anybody as. He's not necessarily skinny, but is not built everywhere as Yandy Diaz with the massive biceps that he has. It'd be very hard to cast him accurately. But The Rock would be about the closest you could get, I think.
1: Matt, if you'd ever met me in person, you'd know someone else who is normal (laughs) all over except their giant biceps.
0: Are you basically Yandy Diaz is what you're saying? You're just not impressed by his biceps?
1: And I've hit a home run. (laughs) Those are the key differences between Yandy and I.
0: Oh, that's... Oh, and James Powell in the comments. He said Chris Pratt will play Trevor Bauer. That could, be, that could work, too, I think. But I think it you would really, need somebody really serious to play Bauer. I
1: don't see Chris Pratt as Trevor Bauer.
0: Who would be really serious? I don't know how he can look like like serious. I really should have dug into this more when we did it. So, so it's a curious actors. I don't know who would play him.
1: Someone, someone today was saying they wanted Kevin Spacey as Francona, which I thought was a funny suggestion. That
0: could work, I think. What about I miss
1: funny Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey used to be funny.
0: (laughs) Then he'd hassle cards and now he can't be funny anymore. What about Christian Bale for Trevor Bauer? You
1: should you should uh, Google SNL Star Wars auditions and like half of them are Kevin Spacey doing impressions of like Kevin Spacey Pretending to be Christopher Walken auditioning for Han Solo and Kevin Spacey <laughs> pretending to be Walter Matthau auditioning for Obi Wan Kenobi and they're hilarious. That's the Kevin Spacey I want back.
0: <laughs> and also as Terry Francona is, is the one I want. The one thing they have to do if they make another Moneyball is one of those things where like you take an old actor and make him an old character. So I want Brad Pitt to be like Chris Antonetti. but he's not like in the movie as much as Billy Bean was. It's just like a little cameo. And then you're like, oh, I remember from the other movie. And that's it.
1: (laughs) I imagine (laughs) Billy Bean had to be pretty pumped when he found out that Brad Pitt was going to be the guy playing him. I mean, Billy (laughs) Bean's not like a bad looking guy or anything. But Brad Pitt's like, there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of like, non-celebrities Brad Pitt could be playing where you're like, yeah, that's a pretty good match.
0: But yeah, it's a pretty good match.
1: (laughs) And then, you know, you find out Jonah Hill's playing and you're like, what? Jonah Hill, come on. Like, he hasn't even lost the weight yet.
0: <laughs> that's the guy who didn't want his name revealed, too. So maybe, I'm like, all right, fine. You don't want to tell your name? We'll just use Jonah Hill to play you. So anyway, Jason, that's that's pretty much all we got. The Indians are going to be playing the Tigers a couple more games. They have the Royals again. They have a pretty easy schedule to finish out the season, and then, then we'll be in the playoffs. We'll see where they are. Next week, we're on a, or the next couple weeks, I guess three, unless something happens on Monday, we'll have podcasts on off day, so that'll be fun. Um, So, yeah, anything else before we get going here?
1: No, I, when the win streak was at like 10, I was like, I just want 15, would be super cool. If they set the record last year, it would be super cool if they set the new record this year. And then asking for anything more than that I felt great. But now that they're at 19, I really wanted to keep going and, and get the American League record and what I would consider the all time record, the 21 games, not that 26 games with the tie in the middle mumbo jumbo. Um, <laughs> I mean at this point if you make it this far like, you might as well. You like I'll be disappointed if they lose but not like really disappointed cuz this has just been such a blast and so okay. unexpected because you can't possibly expect a 19 game winning streak. Uh, and just so much fun. Like watching the Indians win is always fun and it's just become like comical at this point. Like they took a big <laughs> lead early tonight and it was just like I don't know, it, it felt like free money.
0: Yeah, there's just no tension like usually when you get a long winning streak going you want to keep doing it and it's always like even when they're up by one i haven't i haven't felt tension in a baseball game in like weeks there's yeah. nothing and, and when they go up by a million runs it's like oh okay they did it again sure
1: there'll be some tension tomorrow night if it's close late because you know i want them to, to tie the american league record and and all of that but there's just no way to be like <laughs> mad about things at this point like the regular season took a while to kind of hit its stride, and now it's just hit such an incredible stride. Um, it's I, I, I'm stuttering and stammering because I don't really have what feel like the proper words <laughs> to encapsulate what it feels like, but it's been a blast.
0: I will say, if if the Indians lose, the first person who tweets out anything about the Indians sucking or some kind of problem they have, they need to be like shamed on Twitter very loudly and very frequently. <laughs> <laughs> so that's everything we have this week. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be around again next week. If you're listening on YouTube or whatever, leave a comment, uh, subscribe and all that good stuff. See you next week.